This is Channel Attitude. Your voice, your right, your freedom. Oh shit! It's Vince Russo! Vince McMahon's best kept secret. I am the anti-Christ of professional wrestling. David Arquette runs the world title. I've got a wife, three kids at home, and I really don't need this shit. How can this shit? Show. Be so awful, Mr. McMahon. I didn't think it was. By Angro on a pole match. And Hogan, you big bald son of a bitch, kiss my ass. Judy Bagwell on a forklift match. McMahon and the family, the rock, they screwed us all. Now you're the editor, right? Mankind did it! Jumpy, jumpy, uh, beep, beep. Goldberg steered Russo out of the cage. I'm from New York. I'll get down right nasty. This is... Vince Russo's The Brand. Vince Russo, this is the great. What's the name of the show? White and Black. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, I got to tell you, man, I watched your Steelers on Sunday, baby, setting the world on fire. Steelers still got a good defense, man. If they didn't have a good defense, brother, I don't know who they would be right now. Thank God for a good defense. But what are, what are they? Four and two, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, they're, they're right there, no, bro? Well, you know, the first loss of the season was to San Francisco. That was the first game out the boxing. I think San Francisco coming out of the coming out of the box this year, they're just more prepared than any other team in the NFL. But now I think we're starting to see teams catch up with them and see exactly some of the things they've been doing. Plus, they got a lot, couple of injuries to key players. And they don't look as efficient as they were when they first came out of the box. So putting that behind the Steelers, uh, because of the defense, and they scored just enough points to win four games. And, hey, man, even the game they lost, the other game that they lost, you know, they, they could have had a little bit more offense. I think they could have uh, won that game also. So they get the offense back on point, man, I think we'd be okay. Hey, bro, I want to ask you a question. With, you know, the last, obviously, the last freaking decade – uh, with the success of the Astros and now the Rangers are going to the World Series. Wow. I mean, but listen, but but Texas will never, ever be a baseball state, will it? Texas is a pretty good big baseball state. It's just the fact that football just overshadows everything here. Yeah. Texas has always been a big baseball state. That's why we got two teams in the major leagues. But I would think everything pretty much is the Cowboys in Texas, no? Well, as far as pro football go, yeah. But even pro sports in general, I mean, they're probably more heavy Cowboys than anything else, I would think, no? Well, on the pro end, yes. 100%. 100%. That's how Denver is, bro. It's all it's all Broncos. Nobody else even exists. And the Nuggets won the championship last year. The Avs won it the year before. You wouldn't even think they even existed here in Denver. <laughs> that's, that's the thing, man, when one team has been such a 
cornerstone for a long period of time. And the other, you know, professional teams do very good. You know, it's just like uh, all the colleges that we have here, Texas A&M, TCU, uh, Baylor, Houston. We got a zillion uh, Texas Christian colleges. Yeah. You know, Division One schools. But they only care if Texas does good. <laughs> yeah, nice. yeah. They only care if Texas does good. You know, it's it's unbelievable, man. It's crazy. All right, listen, man. I gotta, I got a couple stories for you. You know, if if you got anything, we could definitely talk about. I got a couple good stories about you. One is like really concerning to me. Okay. And it was based off comments that I made on a podcast. Hmm. So I, I'm going to, I'm going to share those comments with you. Um, Stevie. Now, what kind of trouble have you gotten into now? Yeah, okay. Let, let me play these comments and then we'll go from there. Okay. Okay. Here we go. Well, let's, let's, let's just face it and be honest. Let's, let's call it what it is. Okay. Rick Flair's absolute dream is to go out in the middle of a wrestling that 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 to him that is the perfect story the end of rick flair that is the perfect final last chapter he died in a wrestling ring i i really believe that's what he wants chris i really do and listen man bro he can go out and do whatever he wants i mean it doesn't it doesn't affect me one way or another but I'm telling you, bro, I honestly believe that that is his fairy tale. And you know how, bro, listen, musicians have died on stage. Sure. You know, and like that, that was Tiny Tim, man, who, who I love and adore, died on stage. And, and there's something about being a legend when you die doing what you love to yeah. do. And I, I swear, bro, I honestly believe that is somewhere in the back of his mind. Well, Vince, it appears heroic. It's, it's that, it's that yeah. type of psychological effect of the, the hero dying his last, you know, uh, final battle, you know, still dying as a hero. And that's what he's going to be known as. It's and Randy, so, remember the wrestler, Randy the Ram? Randy the Ram. The yeah. end of the movie? Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's that's it. I mean, yeah. that's that's yeah. what it is, bro. Yeah, he, want, he wants to die the hero. All right. Stevie, what do you think about those comments? You know, I don't I don't think I don't think that's accurate. Okay. I really don't think Rick Flair wants to die in the ring. I think Rick wants to die at home in his own bed just like all of us do. Would you like to hear Rick Flair's comments to my video. Yes. Okay. okay. All right. Here we go. I wonder what it's coming from, so it's got to be a origin. Here we go. Okay. And away we go. <laughs> Here we go. For the first time, Vince Russo, I totally agree with you. We've had our differences, probably because of Bischoff, but he's an issue in everyone's life. 
I left my entire family behind trying to be the best I could be in professional wrestling. I totally agree with you that I would love to die in the ring. I spent my entire life there, so why not? Woo! Thank you for the respect, which Eric Bischoff has never shown me. Wow. I swear, Stevie, I don't, I didn't even know, I don't even know what to say back. It is, it is so beyond my realm of understanding. And that's why I wanted to bring it to, to you. You, bro, you are one of the boys. You worked with this man. You loved this business. But man, I, Stevie, I don't know how to feel like, bro, listen, he has documented in many documentaries, putting his family on the back burner. Yeah, he has said that he has admitted that right. you know, the, the, the tragedy of Reed. Uh, we know he hasn't had a great relationship with with uh, um, uh, um, David, David married several times. But but my thing is, bro, you can fix that like it's, it's never too late to fix that. Right. Like, how do you? I mean, you you knew him well, Stevie. You work with him for so many years. Because Stevie, what happened was he had his last match in Nashville. Right. And bro, everybody flew out for that match. Paige was there. Everybody was there, bro. And there was really concern for him during the match. He even said, bro, he blacked out a couple of times. Wow. Bro, less than three months later, he's saying, I got one more in me. And that's when I'm saying, bro, the dude wants to die in the ring. Like, seriously, if he wants another one, Stevie, I don't, I don't know. Like, how do you how do you take this and what do you say? I mean, none of us want Ric Flair to die in a wrestling ring. Well, that's true, but I wasn't aware of uh, some of the things that he went through in that match that you're chronicling right now. I wasn't aware of that. Yeah. But if he's saying, I want to do this again after that last time, which a lot of people, I didn't see the match, but a lot of people that did see the match and they was telling me about it was like, brother, you know, it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. You know, it really wasn't Ric Flair. So he should just leave that alone. And now you're saying that he said himself, he's got one more in him. So with that being said, with everything that you've talked about in the past in his life, the one thing that he's always had to grasp onto it's professional wrestling. That's it. That's it. He's been a failed individual at everything else by his own admission. Think about that. Failed at marriage. Not there for his family. Failed at business. So on and so forth. And matter of fact, had a lot of uh, I respect Rick a lot. But as rough people in this business, the wrong way, we've heard different people on podcasts talk about Ric Flair in very demented type ways on many occasions. But the one thing 
that he's always had that he could control was a match. If you think about it, it's the one thing he's always had control over. So the very love for that ring and how many times we've talked about it on this show, the very thing you love the most can be the very things that ends your existence. God, bro, it's so, to me, it's such a tragic story. Like, ah, oh, it, it's hard, man. It's hard. I, I didn't even know how to respond to that, so I didn't. I, I, I didn't respond to it at all. Just send him a thumbs up. Yeah, I guess, man. I guess. With no, I mean something with no words. Yeah. Steve, you want to hear something ironic? What's that? So, you know, he's publicly saying, I got one match left in me. The next thing I know, Tony Khan is posting. A, okay, so a couple of things happened since then. Number one, Sting, Sting, Sting set gives his retirement. Right. His last match is going to be sometime in November. Flair says, I got one more left in me. Right. Next thing I know, I'm seeing a picture online of flair with his wife or his ex i don't even know what she is anymore and tony khan and his girlfriend <laughs> like okay well flair's I think, working. I think i've seen that picture also <laughs> so i'm like all right well flair's working tony khan to see how much he can get for that last match and i make the bold prediction i said guys sting's farewell match is going to be with flair and it's going to be that for three reasons. Number one, Flair has already said, I got one more left in the tank. Number two, you know how the business works, Stevie. Sting is going to feel very indebted to him for everything he did for Sting's career. Right. Number three, Tony Khan is a mark. So, oh, Vince, you're crazy. Oh, the old man yelling at the cloud. Oh, Vince, you don't know what you're talking about. So they're promoting yesterday on Dynamite, uh, Stevie. Big. Tony Khan's got a big surprise for Sting. (laughs) Big surprise for Sting. Guess who comes out? Who comes out? Ric Flair. I (laughs) am. Stevie, you know what my rule of thumb is? Wait a minute, wait a minute. Was this on the show? This was on the show, yes. Last night? Last night, yes. yes. Oh, man, I didn't get a chance to see the show, man. I got in Yeah. I got in late, and I put it on there. It was already 9 o'clock, and they went over. I think it was a tag match going on, yeah. and they went over, and that's all I saw. Stevie, you know what my rule of thumb is? Because now they're talking about it's going to be like, Sting, Flair, and Darby Allen. Like, they're going to make it a six-man or an eight-man. Bro, you know what my rule of thumb is? Tell me if I'm wrong. What's that? If your retirement match cannot be a one-on-one, you should probably not be having one. Uh, Yeah, I can see that. Is, is that. is that bad, bro? Well, on an individual take, I think so. But I think Tony Khan is going to try to get some mileage out of this. I mean, for him to be doing that favor for Rick like that, and who knows what he's paying Rick, he might try to get some mileage out of this. That's the only thing I can think of. It can't be a one-night thing. Uh, now you got other people involved. I, 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 bro, I don't know. <laughs> I, don't know. I mean, 
Oh, my God. I mean, to be honest, in my opinion, going back to you saying Tony Khan is a mark, because we all know one guy having the last match is one thing, another guy having the last match, and you're paying your respect to these guys. But, man, to do it on a big stage like that, does that help the show or does that take away from the show? Well, bro, we, we didn't even bring into consideration. I mean, Steve, you got to look at this if you're going to be honest. Bro, Conrad, they made such a big deal of, you know, the, the Tennessee. That yeah, his last match. Bro, people yeah. hundreds of dollars. Bro, you had the boys flying in from all over the world. How, yeah, bro, bro, come on. You got to have some kind of, I mean, uh, you know. Feel like the big payoff to me. Uh, but I don't know, bro. I'm I'm sure he can get a good payday from Khan, but I do I do worry about the dude, man. Well, maybe that's why they want to turn it into something else. Because I'm like you. If Sting is having a retirement match with AEW, who would be his opponent? Other than Ric Flair. Because I actually thought, actually me and somebody was talking about this the other night. I can't remember who it was. When we was talking about Muda having his last match. And I was like, the perfect opponent for Muda would have been Sting for the American audience. I don't know what it would have been for the Japanese audience. What do you think about that? Well, I get, see, I get, if, if they were going to do it the right way and, you know, he really wanted to pass the baton and you, you and I both know Sting, he, he's the guy that I want to pass the baton. Like he, there's going to be no argument with him there. He's going to want to do it. I would say Darby Allen, bro, only because that's the one guy he's really been associated with. Right. Since he's at AEW. So you might as well put that guy over on the way out. Hmm. Okay, yeah, I can see that also. I can respect that too. Yeah. Bro, do you know, like Stevie, that's how my problem started in WCW. Stevie, I'll tell you why, bro. The week before I started working for WCW, this is a shoot. The main event of Nitro was Hogan and Flair. And, bro, they were so exposed. They looked so slow, so out of shape. And I'm watching this. And as a guy who grew up as a supermarket for both, I'm like, bro, I'm saying to myself, you've got to protect these guys. This this isn't, you know, 1983. You got to protect these guys. You got to get them in the right spot on the show. Right. So when I came in, bro, that was one of my main goals. Bro, what what my plan was was one by one I was going to eliminate every legend. I was going to eliminate Flair. Remember the the filthy animals left them in the desert. I was going to eliminate Hogan, Kurt Henning, Macho, Page. I was going to eliminate all these guys. And, bro, this was pre-Avengers. Then these guys were going to come back as the 
Avengers. And the story was Piper was one of those guys. The story was throughout their entire career, these guys did not get along with each other. But now they've got to get along. So that that was the story that was supposed to play out. Bro, the second we buried Flair in the desert, okay, he ran to JJ. He ran to everybody. Russo's trying to get rid of me. And then Hogan makes the statement, oh, yeah, brother, uh, somebody told me that Russo said he was looking to get rid of every legend on the – Total, total bullshit because they were so paranoid that I was trying to get rid of them. And I said, no, guys, this is what I'm doing. I could have said it, bro, till I was blue in the face. They didn't believe me. They went to Bush. They went to JJ. Next thing I know, we're going in a different direction. Exactly. But it's like, brother. Exactly, brother. That's what I'm saying about when you and Ed came around. I was like, do these two guys know? You can ask. I'm going to tell you who I used to talk to about this. No, I'm not going to mention the names. I'm not going to bring them into this conversation. But I used to have this conversation with a couple of people that you know and you respect. And I was like, oh, I remember the rumor. They were bringing these guys in from New York, man. You know, that's what we always call WWE New York. You know what I'm right. saying? Vince Russo and that's for, oh, okay, blah, 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 this, that, and the other. I'm just kind of, like I said, I'm kind of got Alexa just sit back and observe. And I used to have this conversation with people that – Do these guys know what they're dealing with here? These guys are like old outlaws. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay, like in a John Wayne movie. You know what I'm saying? And they have set their grounds and they don't know the word when it comes to sports entertainment from another perspective. They don't have a... They don't even want to hear that if it's got anything with me bringing these other guys up. I'm not in it, bro. This is my show. And you just playing in it. Mm-hmm. That's the mentality that they've already had for years. Yep. So I was like, okay, let me see if these guys can pull it off. Oh, my God, brother. I swear to God, the conversations we used to have about you guys, I used to just look at you guys' faces, man. <laughs> you know, you walking around with the paper, looking at the paper, man. And, you and, and I was like, bro, they, this, this is – I know. I remember the match you talking about. I remember that match, too. Oh, Stevie, it was so like – oh, it was so bad. And they, they And I'm like, I can't do this to these guys. Hey, bro, you had new ideas. You had new ideas, man. It's like how many times we've seen this, Vince, in professional football. You see coaches. You remember it took years for coaches to bring in that college football type element on offense? Yeah. Oh, it's, it's, it's routine now. But yeah. look how many teams were like, no. We do not want a running quarterback. We do not want a a a, a system uh, uh where you a read option system. We don't want that in the pros. The quarterback's gotta be six foot five, 235 pounds, and he sits in the pocket and throws the ball. 
Right. And that's how it is. How many times? Not until you start seeing that change. Because you know what would have had to change? The coaches. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And when you have that, you know, a lot of these coaches come from the same tree. You know what I'm saying? A lot oh, of yeah. A lot of them are born in the same realm, came from the same tree, the offspring and the children is just like the uh, uh, Polynesian, like the Polynesian family in WWE. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 You can all trace all their roots back to the same area and same few people. So that's what you was dealing with also. I mean, how many, how many times, Stevie, I swear to God, because, you know, Stevie, I go back to you, you know, the 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 Joe Gibbs and the Theismans and the Tom Landry's and all that shit. How many times, bro, did we see quarterbacks go two or three years too long? <laughs> how many times, bro, when you knew, like, brother, it's over. It's over. I give you one. I give you one right now. Go ahead, Ben Roethlisberger. Exactly, no doubt, no doubt about it, bro. Brett Favre. Brett Favre. Going to the Jets and like, brother, like it's done. And if you want to hear something ironic, bro, my I I got you know I had a salary plus a bonus based on the ratings. Right, I remember you telling me that. So, so, bro, I've got Flair and Hogan. You're, you're talking about the two biggest rating draws in the, and you think I don't need them? And I even said that to the both of them. I said, "Do you guys not understand my contract works on a bonus?" And you guys are the two biggest draws, and you think I'm trying to write you off the show, bro? They thought I was trying to write them off the show. And what does they get that from, brother? That's just their own insecurities. Unbelievable, bro. Unbelievable. Oh, man. Yeah. But that would have been a hell of an angle, bro. Yeah, man. Can you imagine trying to get along with Hogan and and Hogan trying to get along with Savage? And, bro, Bret Hart, we had Bret there. Can you imagine Bret's trying to get along with Flair? That was the beauty of the dynamic. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, wow. And and if you saw what I was doing, that's what we were doing. You know, we, we had, you know, Kurt. Uh, Henning's gimmick was, bro, you lose one more match, you're out. We right. drove Piper out of town. We drove Savage. If you watch the show, you could see what I was working towards. Right. And then those, bro, to this day, Flair will tell you I tried to bury his career out in the desert, no matter what I say. Wow. Wow. Crazy. Hey, bro. man, when you, when you, like I said, you, you guys were coming from real because there's more than one kind of sports entertainment to me. It was the sports entertainment that we were doing in WCW, which really was old school wrestling actually kind of putting itself out there as sports entertainment. But you guys in WWE were really doing real sports entertainment. It's a difference. Yeah. Some people are, you know, we were trying to do it from an old school wrestling perspective. As long as these guys were on top, everybody else was on the bottom. And it wasn't about the show. It was about the guy, those guys. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Everybody else was on their show. If yeah. they if that makes sense. 
Yeah. Where what you guys were doing up there was changing the spectrum where the show, you got your top guys, you got your middle guys, and you got your guys down here. There's levels to it. But the show was starting to be about the show. Right, right. If I'm if I'm making sense. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And I saw that up there. I was like, now, you know, okay, that's the difference between us. It wasn't about just yesterday. It's about going into tomorrow. It's almost like what's going on now. You guys started. Yeah. I can see that. You guys started what's going on now. Where it's not about the about the guys pulling the wagon. It's about the show pill pulling the wagon. Right. If that makes sense. Absolutely. So in that you use the guys that you're talking about to uplift and put a shine on everything else as to where the show is going. Right. You've already made it. You already made it. You can't get no bigger than what you guys are. Right. Yep. But if you change the perspective and how people look at you, in essence, you build yourself even more because of the new fans that's coming in and don't remember yesterday. Right. 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 But brother, when you're so used to being on top and calling your own shots, brother, it's hard to get out of that mindset, bro. You know where I made a mistake, Stevie, but I'll tell you, I'll tell you why, because you will understand this. I made a mistake, bro. Where when I came to WCW, I never looked at the fan base as being different than the fan base at the WWE. I never looked at the fan base as being a good old boy fan base. But I'll tell you why, bro. Because when I was growing up, I watched Gordon Soley. I watched when they were doing it at the, the little center in the studio there. And as a as a viewer, I never viewed it as Southern wrestling. Right. I, I, ne- I never viewed it that way. I viewed it the same way I viewed the WWE. We just got different players down here. Right. But, I, you know, then I came to understand, bro, the fan base in the South compared to the East, they they view wrestling completely differently. I didn't realize that at the time. Vince, I honestly believe I I agree with that 100%. But at that time, Vince, of what when you and Ed came in, at that time was the perfect time for a transition. Yeah. We're going into the 2000s now. So what you're saying is 100% true, but People are just like sheep in a lot of ways. Yep. You can change their minds on stuff if you give it to them the right way. So I hear exactly what you're saying, and I'm that's exciting. I'm about change anyway. I'm I'm one of those guys that's about change. I'm not one of those guys that's always, you know, what I'm saying want to you know keep the status quo. Hell, I remember when the I remember when the uh, Toyota Camry got changed and everybody was pissed off about it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They changed the Camry. I don't like it anymore. You know what I'm saying? Now I look at the Camry now. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? You know, still the highest-selling car out there. Why is that? Because eventually, Vince, you will be standoffish for a minute. But once it seeps in and they see the transition – you would have been deemed right, brother. How many, how many great innovators and great businessmen 
if they had looked at it the way you're looking at it right now and said, oh, man, I don't know if I want to do this because people look at things this way. And they hadn't followed their vision. Yeah. Yeah. This is your vision. Everybody got to play in the. Uh, the way you're putting this whole thing, that's your book is your screenplay. Let it play out. Yeah. It's your movie, bro. And it, but, but, and it, it it was going to take time. And I told WCW, I said, bro, this ain't an overnight thing. You've got to understand that. I was never given the time to see it through, bro. But they don't see the vision either. Yeah. Yeah. They don't see the vision. They still thinking about, tell me if I'm wrong about this, but they still thinking wrestling. They're not thinking sports entertainment. They're thinking wrestling. Yep. At the end of the day, the 90s is a transition period for so many different things. Yeah. And professional wrestling wasn't immune to that. Wasn't, wasn't, wasn't going to escape that. I was excited about it, but I could hear the rumbles in the dress. You know what I'm saying? I'm around the boys. Of course. You know what I'm saying? And I can hear this shit. And I was like, bro. These guys just don't know what they're getting into, bro. What? Hopefully they hopefully they do. <laughs> That's the only thing I've told you that before. I'm like, hopefully they do. Yeah. Because they're gonna go through it, man. And the thing, another thing is, wasn't Bischoff there when you first got there? Not when I first got there, no. Oh, they brought him back. Yeah. Yes. Okay, Bischoff left, but who did they make the booker then? Uh well, Bill, Bill Bush was in charge. It, it was kind of Sullivan and Nash. That's right. Sullivan yeah. and Nash. You're right. Yeah. Then the next thing I know, they were out. And I think that's when you came in. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I remember that. I remember that. Yeah. And but like I said, these guys are bookers. Bookers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're not writers. No. 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 They can book good matches and yeah. then tell you to go out there and how to do the match. But that doesn't. It's not a television show. Right. 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 Uh, bro, I got to bring this up with you too, man. I swear, Stevie, I'm sorry. Uh, I got another main story for you that deals with black and white. I got to tell you this, bro. Bro, you know how like you can go all the way back to the Beatles and probably even before. But, you know, bro, I I, I, I have, you know, somebody who does another podcast and he 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 has dedicated his life to the uh, the Paul is dead theory. But he will break down for you how the Beatles were literally four lads from Liverpool that were literally put together in a, you know, in a laboratory as an experiment to change the face of the youth of the 60s and the 70s and the 80s. Uh, and, you know, really George Martin being behind all that, because when George Martin first saw the Beatles, he commented that he didn't see much talent there. But they it, it's like they needed players to play the part. So the Beatles were created and controlled to really help shape society and push certain things that they wanted pushed. So this goes all the way back to the Beatles. And here's why I bring this up, Stevie. You know how you and I like just so love and appreciate freaking music. Yeah. Like 
without the yin yang. Stevie, I swear to you, and and don't don't tell me these things are not being created and orchestrated, and there's a message, and there's a just just like with the rap music, bro. Okay. Stevie, I'm watching SNL. This episode will continue with part two next week right here at Russo'sBrand.com.